Everyone's life has been impacted by addiction in one way or the other, which is why Lemonada Media has an important new podcast for those seeking information about the science, research, and reality of addiction. It's called In Recovery. The weekly show is hosted by the brilliant Dr. Nzinga Harrison. She's a physician board certified in psychiatry and addiction medicine. She offers listeners a heartfelt approach to treating all kinds of addiction. You can listen to In Recovery on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Reshba. Welcome to Brave Not Perfect, the show where we seek to live braver, bolder lives and break free from the cult of perfection. Today, we got a special episode for you. We're going to be talking about sisterhood, about lifting each other up so we can all shine bright. So much of the world tries to push us down, to pit us against each other, and honestly, that drags us all down. Sisterhood means having relationships where you're invested in enriching each other's lives, cheering one another on, and supporting each other in big and small ways. And joining me in this conversation is someone who embodies sisterhood. She's the CEO of Endeavor, Girls Who Code board member, and incredible mom. I am constantly amazed by Bose, who lives her life with humility and purpose. It's such a treat to talk to her as part of the Girls Who Code Summer Speaker Series, which is streamed live for students in the Girls Who Code Summer Immersion Program. I'm thrilled to share our conversation with you now. Hey, Rashma. How are you, Bose? How's it going? Ooh, girl, it's going. <laughs> I know. I said um, I was uh, talking to someone. They said, you know, everyone has permission to say I'm okay. And I really appreciated that, right? Without feeling the pressure to be like, everything is great when it's not. Well, I am so excited to have you here and, and to have you here chatting with all the girls. It's such an honor. Um, yeah. Hi, all the girls who code. How are you? Uh, Bose and I are so excited to see all of you. I We are kicking off the summer series and we are kicking off the summer series with a woman that I have so much respect and admiration for. Quite frankly, it has always been an honor when she joined the Girls Who Code community, and I just feel blessed to know you. So thank you so much because you're literally bringing this amount of like spirituality and love as we kind of kick off the summer. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you. I really do. I'm, I'm so proud of the work that you do. I'm proud of your fortitude. I'm proud of the fact that um, I actually reference your book, your latest book, quite a bit, you know, about being brave and not perfect. Uh, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> but I just I just love you and adore you. And I'm, I'm so, so honored uh, to be here and really happy to be in front of all the girls. Like I said, I am so excited to, to have gotten to know you. And you hosted a book party for me. And I remember just sitting there for five minutes and just watching you. And just watching how you operated and how you work. You know, I think for so many of us as women of color who have gotten into this position or gotten into rooms that many of us who look like us have never been able to get into, it's because of knowledge and networks and your openness to to share that knowledge and networks. And it's one of the things that we really try to teach our girls. 
And so I wanted to start by talking about sisterhood and building a sisterhood of support. What does that mean to you? Yeah, yeah. Gosh. Well, so here's the the fun fact, little history on me. I am the eldest of four girls in my family. Um, we are all very close in age. And so there's only six years between myself and the youngest of us. Um, and so I grew up with real sisterhood, <laughs> practiced yeah. sisterhood. And sisterhood, not in the like la-di-da type of way. There were plenty of those, you know, plenty of the like, you know, I love you so much, girl, you know, I love you forever <laughs> type of thing. But also in the hard ways, you know, in the defensive ways, uh, in the ways that challenge you, you know, in the ways that grow you. And so I have I have had some practice, <laughs> especially with sisters that you can't not be without. You know what I'm saying? Like the right. sisters that you can't leave because they're there. They're, they're not going anywhere. Um, and so that means showing up in various ways. You know, sometimes it is in um, the quiet ways, just, you know, sort of standing in the background, you know, knowing that your sister just needs to know that you're in the audience. You know, right. sometimes that means speaking on behalf of your sister uh, because she doesn't have the words to say it. Sometimes that means getting into a fight for your sister, <laughs> busting somebody over the head. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, I got a sister and I busted some heads. So yes, I did. Okay. I'm like, no, for real. Like, you know, that's, that's a real thing. And also learning from your sister, you know, the, the four of us are so different. I mean, and I'm not just saying that because I'm biased, like we're in different careers. We have different personalities. We all came from this, the same two parents, but could not be more different from each other. And so I appreciate the nuances in sisterhood as well, you know, different communication styles. And so I am, I am really blessed because I was able to take those lessons. And by the way, still taking those lessons because it's not as if I've stopped learning what sisterhood is. You know, my sisterhood grew as I gained friends who became like sisters, as I, as I gained colleagues and coworkers who became like sisters, as I, you know, found CEOs like you who became like sisters, you know, and, and so my expression and definition of what it means and how to show up for my sisters has also grown and it's evolved over time. Uh, and even for me, now this is the real key. It's like when I am vulnerable and open to then having sisters show up for me, you know? And, and I think that a lot of times we're so consumed with how we are behaving or how we're showing up or the things that we are doing that we center ourselves in a way that could also be harmful because we're not actually giving the most of ourselves because we're actually not receiving, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've lately been learning a lot about how to receive sisterhood in a way that can also expand me you know, grow me uh, and support me. That's so powerful. Can you give an example of how you've recently like received it? Because I think that that yes. Well, I'll tell you about one last week. <laughs> <laughs> so, I created a campaign um, yeah. called Share the Mic Now, and the backstory to it is that I had posted a story or I posted something on Instagram. It was a clip of Toni Morrison, who I adore, love Toni Morrison. And it was, it was her basically saying like, you know, she's tired of people asking her how to fix racism. Uh, and then I posted a 
video of myself saying something very similar from like two years ago, where I said, I don't want people to ask me anymore how to fix the problems that are happening in our society. And in my caption, I was basically like, if one more non-Black person asked me what to do about the situation, I swear I'm going to scream, you know? And then it was like, you know, Blackout Tuesday. And so it was just all of that emotion, all of that heaviness, my, my exhaustion, you know, with trying to lead in this moment. I was just sitting unbathed. I hadn't brushed my teeth. I was feeling very despondent, you know, just like feeling helpless and just like, I don't know what to do. And my sister, the sister I've chosen, Lovey Ajayi Jones, uh, who is a commentator and author, New York Times bestselling, like she's so dope. Um, She called me. (laughs) She was like, you've been quiet. And I was like, what, what, what? I I can't, you know, I can't be allowed to just be quiet sometimes. And I said it with such an attitude, you know? (laughs) And she was like, okay, see, here's what you're not going to do. You're not going to sit down and feel sorry for yourself. You know, you're not going to have this attitude of like complacency because that's not who you are. She's like, if you need a rest, that's fine, but you're not going to give up on this. And I was like, why do I need this right now? <laughs> why can't she just use it? leave me alone? And what was amazing in that moment was her understanding of not just the fact that I need, I needed rest and I needed a moment, but I needed the reminder, you know, of my own ability. Uh, of my own creative power, you know, and that whatever it was that was really getting to me um, could be solved. And it didn't mean that I need to just lay down and never get back up, you know? And so me, for me, like that sisterhood was the understanding of my position, you know, but also a little bit of some hard conversation, you know? I won't say the rest of what she said to me because it was not pretty, but... <laughs> It was just, it was, it was some tough love, you know, some tough love. And she was like, I know you're better than this. Like you are better than this. You're better than this moment. You know, use your creativity, find a solution, like keep going. You know, she was like, I'm gonna check on you in two hours. You better have brushed your teeth by then. And come up with a movement, which you basically did. So tell us about what Share the Mic was, what it did, like what you learned from it and how we continue to celebrate the accomplishments of black women. Yes. So now this is what's so crazy, Reshma, is that we're having this conversation about sisterhood. And I feel like what what was created with Share the Mic is actually at the very center of, of the discussion of sisterhood. You know, my feeling with all of, and this is the honest truth. And we wrote it in our mission statement, even though it's hard to hear, because my feeling is that even with all of my success and the boardrooms that I've been in, which are bleak, you know, there's no color, right? No. Um, and the spaces that I've had to walk, the stages I've been on, the platforms I have access to to share a message, I still feel unheard in most instances. And so what I wrote that day and what we ended up talking about was the fact that when the world listens to women, which Lord knows, sometimes it's not all the time, but when the world listens to women, it listens to white women. And it's time for us to actually open our eyes and understand that, you know? And so what is the responsibility then of white women to every non-white woman in the world? Like if we're talking about real sisterhood, then what is the responsibility? You know, and and essentially we ended up calling friends who are sisters to us, white women with huge platforms. And it started 
you know, like a, it was just a domino effect, you know? And so we asked that those white women give up their social media platforms. We did it on Instagram and allow for voices that aren't usually heard to come on their spaces, disrupt their social media feed, because we all have choices, right? Social media is one of the places where we probably are most, um, we curate the most, right? It's like, you're really gonna only hear things that you agree with, that you like, that you understand. Right. You know, we don't curate our, the people we follow with stuff that makes us angry or is different from us or makes us feel uncomfortable. And so the purpose was to disrupt the spaces that we have curated for ourselves, especially some of these white spaces and allow for black voices to be heard. And I mean, the results have been unbelievable, just unbelievable, you know? And I, I really did have a moment. We did it last Wednesday and Thursday when I woke up, I mean, I was in full tears, you know, just complete and utter tears. It was everywhere. It was so, so powerful. And I think so different from some of the other ways that we were trying to push this conversation about white privilege and what that means and what it means to be anti-black and elevate voices. I felt like it was so, it was innovative, right? And it's something that, how, so how are you going to continue it? Are you thinking about that? We need to do a call about that? Yeah, man. That's the hardest thing. I think the, the day of, we were getting calls from all kinds of people, you know, who wanted to join. Um, and asking how they could do it. And so now we're actually developing an open source, you know, open source assets so that we can encourage people to keep sharing. Um, because honestly, I feel like if this, if this campaign succeeds, it's not because I pushed it. You know, the campaign succeeds because everyone else felt that they could do it. You know, and it's not necessarily about just like trying to get the biggest platform you can. I mean, listen, I was on Kourtney Kardashian's platforms, 93 million people, okay? That's, that's not every day. But right. we all have relationships that we can extend. It's not about the numbers to me. Yeah. It's the act. It's the act. Yeah. I saw so many women doing it in the Brave Not Perfect community that were like moms or teachers and, you know, had social media followings of 500 people, but they were, yes. they were doing it. It was so awesome. Yes. It's really the act. It's the action of sisterhood. It's the act of like, you know, when I was 12 and my younger sister was 10, and she wanted to go to a place and she couldn't get in. It was me taking her hand and saying, come with me, right? And based on my ability and my access, she got in. That's the same thing we're asking for today. It's the basic action of bringing your sister along and saying, okay, here you go. Now you've got the platform, you've got the access. You go ahead and tell them what I heard you say that nobody else is listening to. And that's the yeah. action. So I saw you on CNBC talk about what companies can be doing at this moment. You know, what do you think that companies, you know, even beyond technology companies and employees, what role do they have in this movement and movements like yeah. these? Yeah, they have a huge responsibility. You know, what's so interesting to me is that we seem to think that systemic racism or the cures for racism lie in politics and policy alone. Mm. It's the strangest thing. I'm like, I, like... <laughs> There's so many other places where our injustices and our inequalities lie. You know, you and I have been talking about this forever. You know what I mean? It's like, we understand that it lies in business. It's the reason why Girls Who Code exists. Yeah. You know, because we understand the inequalities that exist in some of our spaces, some of our industries. And so to me, it's so important that businesses begin to not just put their voice you know, in the conversation and speak up about what they believe 
they can do to support and to change, but also to, again, put action to the words. And, yeah. you know, there's been a lot of, um, I think, some, some like pushback, right, about whether or not companies are allowed to do it if they haven't done it before or if, if you know, they haven't had a record of being the greatest. And my point is that, you know, I believe in evolution. I believe in creation. I don't believe in destruction. And so I'm not a member of cancel culture. You know, I think that if you haven't done it before and by some great, amazing insight, today you woke up and said, you know what? I have to stop this. I have to find a way to solve it. By all means, do that. You know, I'm not in it for punishment. I was like, listen, I don't care if you woke up today or you woke up 10 years ago. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up and say something and do something. And that's what we're encouraging across the board. Yeah. And I think one of the things I'm actually slightly encouraged by is this like acknowledgement of white privilege, right? Like Mm -hmm. we don't live in a meritocracy. We're not all coming from the same place, right? You have gotten in the door sometimes because you are white, because you are a man, because you are a white woman. And so I think resetting this framework uh, around like, I'm not doing you a favor by investing in black companies or by hiring black and brown women. It's just like, they're already twice as qualified, Right. Yes. But structural racism is what's preventing them from actually getting an opportunity. And I think that that's where this moment feels a little bit different because we're finally having that conversation. And those are the conversations that we have to push. And to that point, like, how can our girls do that? Right. I loved seeing all these young people on the streets. Like it just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. How do how do young girls, you know, who are going into these companies influence change? Yeah. Well, I think that's one of also, you know, one of the most terrifying situations, right? It's like you're beginning, you're at the start, you don't want to make any mistakes, you don't want anyone to look at you and say that you can't do it, or maybe you're stepping out of your lane. And so it really does take a lot of courage, you know, to move within these spaces, especially if you're new to it, you don't really understand the rules or who has the power or whether or not you have any power. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of the most discombobulating moments, you know, and I, I actually wish, that's a whole nother conversation, but I wish we would acknowledge that more, you know, and find solutions and tools to help us find our voices, our strength, our power, even when you are just starting, you know, before you get the titles and, you know, the teams and the things that make you feel as if you have some power, right? It's like, how do you exert that when perhaps you're the only one or you're just starting and it's day three for you, but yet you have something to say, you have an opinion. And so to me, there's a, there's a few, a few tricks, let's put it that way that I've used along the way. Um, Because, you know, clearly I've not always been the CMO (laughs) of of the company, you know, you have to start somewhere. (laughs) And and by the way, I've also not been quiet most of my life. You know, I know that's a shock and a surprise. Shock, big shocker. I know, I know. But but there have been so many ways in which I have been able to utilize influence, uh, friendships, and all kinds of different tactics to make sure that my message is heard. There's nothing better than having a group of people or one person who understand what you're saying and can help you say it. You know, and I don't take any insult in that. And I don't think any of us should. So my advice for young women who are going into these spaces is to begin to rally. You know, rally from your position. And so there are there are lots of people who are on your same level, who are within your bandwidth, who you can touch. You know, I think sometimes we also think that in order to change a whole system, we have to get like macro. 
And sometimes not the, that's not the answer. It's micro. It's actually micro influence that then creates the macro. And so yeah. if you can reach the people who are right next to you, the ones you can touch, the ones that you talk to, the ones who care about your opinion, and then start to talk to them about the things that you're worried about, concerned about, the things you'd like to see, the changes you'd like to make, and give them action. You know, because the talk is very difficult when no one knows exactly what to do. And so that's why I take back my statement from last week <laughs> when I was like, don't ask me what to do. You know, I take it back. I take it back. Because the truth of the matter is that we do know what to do, you know, and actually you don't have to be black in order to fight against racism. Right. You don't. And so there are opportunities for us to say it, to give action, even from a micro standpoint. You know where we are because the voices then that lift up and become louder within the company or within the space and the organization we're in will be heard at the end. It's why protests are so incredibly powerful, right? Because you feel like you have no power anywhere else. So guess what? 10,000 of us are going to go outside and we're going to start screaming. And then somebody is going to say, oh no, there's a protest happening. We got to, oh no, now we got to shut down the city. We got to listen to what they're saying, you know, and maybe then there's some change. And so the same thing goes for when you're in a business setting or a company setting, an organization setting, and you feel like you can't reach the top, start at the bottom, start raising that voice, get people who are going to say the same thing that you're saying and make sure that it rises. Yeah. And then real quick before I take um, the, our students' questions, and, and part of that means like you don't have to be the perfect ally, right? You're going to make mistakes and it's okay, right. but that should not speak because you don't want to offended me. How did you learn how to be brave, not perfect? And how have you been practicing that in your life? Oh, man. I feel like it's a daily, it really is. It's a daily lesson. Um, even in starting Share the Mic Now, you know, there was a moment when we were, because it, it, it took us a week, you know, from conception it's to execution. Fast. I mean, it was crazy fast uh, and lots of hours, you know, it was not easy. And there was a moment where, you know, the four of us, right, who created it, and there was a moment we were on Zoom and we're tired and, you know, it's like one more email that you have to respond to. And um, one, of our, one of our founders said, you know, maybe we should just slow down. You know, we don't have it right. Like, I don't, I don't know that we should launch this, this, this quickly. You know, like we just need time to let it sit, marinate, figure out if this is the right thing to do and then do it. And Reshma, I'm telling you, it was your book. Like, I literally was just like, uh-uh, no. My homegirl, Reshma, said... <laughs> We should be brave, not perfect. Like this, you know, perfection paralysis is not it. So we can't wait for everything to be exactly right in order to go. Like sometimes you just have to go. And that was last week. You know what I mean? So I'm practicing it all the time. And I think it's a constant dialogue reminder to ourselves that yeah. it doesn't have to be perfect. And actually yeah. understanding that perhaps we'll be forgiven if it's not perfect and forgive ourselves for not being perfect. Yeah, and we're not crazy for wanting it to because that's how we've been raised. So it's this whole yeah. thing. All right, so question from Lauren from Los Angeles. Um, you both are truly inspirational. I am wondering what advice you'd give to your high school self. Ooh, okay. Well, Lauren, I'm in, I'm in Los Angeles too, so hello. <laughs> um, gosh, what advice would I give to my high school self? It's such a hard question because there's so many things I've learned now along the way. Um, but maybe I would tell myself that like, you know, that, and this is going to sound so big maybe, but that, that I, that I'm enough, you know, that I'm enough. I, I spent a long time searching for 
something outside of myself, you know, to, to feel like I was worthy, to feel like I belong, to feel like I had any influence or good ideas, you know, that it, it, I searched a long time for that. Um, and it doesn't matter how old you are or how much experience you have, it, that feeling can remain if you don't find it within yourself, you know, if you don't start to recognize the enoughness that you have. And so I would have told myself then, I think, I think things would have been a little easier for me had I forgiven myself and realized that I was enough and could move forward in the world without having to search for answers elsewhere. Yeah, it's true. And like telling that voice in your head that tells you you're not good enough to just be quiet. Yes. Be like, yes. shut up. You're fine. <laughs> you're fine. You're enough. Okay. Um, Ayushi from Houston, Texas. What is the most impactful event that has occurred in your life due to sisterhood, whether you were the one who received it or was given it? Wow. Yeah. This, that's a good one. These are some good questions. Yeah. Um, gosh, an event. Um, okay, so I think I have one. Um, when And this, this is, you know, this is sad, but then it also gave me a lot of strength. Um, so seven years ago, my husband passed away from cancer and um, my daughter was four at the time, so little. And um, I was really overwhelmed by oh, what obviously grief, but then also what I had to do for my career, you know, feeling the pressure of having to raise her by myself because I was like, man, she's four. Like, I didn't plan to be a single parent. Um, and all I could see were years you know, ahead of me, like, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? Um, and one of the, one of the challenges I was having at the time, just in general, uh, was, was probably just doing everything by myself, <laughs> you know, just taking it all by myself, you know, the, the hard things, the scary things. I, I really didn't share that much. Um, and that, and that wasn't because I didn't have friends who didn't care or family who didn't care. Everybody always wanted to help, but I was always like, no, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. I got it. You know, it's okay. I got it. And um, a few of my girlfriends, I was still living in New York at the time, um, because that's where I was living. And a few of my girlfriends conspired behind my back <laughs> that they would band together to sort of force themselves into my life, into the, uh, into the places I was saying, no, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, knowing I was lying. And um, they showed up in, in such small ways, but it really opened up a huge opportunity for me because it told me that I could be vulnerable, even with those closest to me, and it would be all right. You know, I can say things like, nah, I need your help. Like, I could actually call. I didn't have to wait, you know, for somebody to ask me. And it was such a big lesson. I'm so, so, so very thankful for those women who came. I mean, and I'm talking about they did the dishes. They cooked. Yeah. They took my daughter out to the playground. They let me just sleep. They let me cry. You know, it was things that I, I had just been holding on, trying to just be so strong. Um, and I didn't realize that, you know, the, the strength, you know, the thing that makes us feel like, oh, I got to be strong for everybody. And I, you know, can't show any vulnerability. I can't ask for help. Like it just, it dispelled all of that because they, they actually just forced themselves in, <laughs> forced right. away my um, good type thing. And it was the biggest lesson because now I have, I really have no problem being like, yo, can you help me out? Could you like, yeah. cause I can't, I can't do it can anymore. Can you babysit my kid? I mean, it's so crazy how like, I've never asked a friend to babysit my kids. Like it's almost like the small stuff, right? Is where small we stuff. feel like we're taking so much of other people's time. But they'll do it. 
That's the thing. They love you. They love you and they care about you and they will do it. You know, I was even like, I'll give you a small example from this morning. I'm trying to launch a project. Um, I'm having a hard time figuring out the words to use for the tagline. You know, it's it's not sitting right. But listen, I'm a brilliant marketer. You know what I mean? I got yes, I got receipts. You know what I'm saying? I, I've been doing this a long time, but I can't I can't get it right. And I've been sitting with it for like four days, and it's it's driving me completely insane. And this morning, I was getting up to go on my run, and one of my oldest girlfriends, she's a lawyer, she lives in Connecticut, um, but probably one of the most brilliant writers ever that I've ever encountered. She writes so beautifully. She just, you know, she'd like texting me like, girl, what's going on? You know, how you doing? You still alive over there? Because I haven't heard from you. You know, and I was like, hey, I need some help. <laughs> you know? And she was like, yeah, I got it. What's, what is it? What is it? And I was like, can you look at this line for me? Like, can you just help me figure out whether or not this sounds right? And homegirl came back with like options. Like something so small that I had been struggling with for four days. You yeah. know? It's like... Yeah. It's such a small example, but really it, it adds up to the big stuff. And I hope, I hope other girls are listening to that. It's true. Just, you know, it's, it's your sisters, it's your friends. It's, it's yeah. the people in your life. They want to help you. Okay. I want to get to this question. Um, hello. My name is Makia Bedford. I am an African American female and I live in Hawthorne, California. I'm currently participating in the El Segundo area girls who code program. I have a more personal question. Being strong, working women of color, what practices do you have to help overcome insecurity and gain confidence both in yourself and your mission? Ooh, Nakia, that's, that's, um, that is a very, very, very good question. Um, back to just like what advice I would have given myself back in the day. <laughs> this is one of them, <laughs> you know? So first of all, I'm very proud of you for even asking that. Cause that's, um, I wish I'd learned it earlier because it is not easy, of course, you know, to find the confidence um, to move in a world which tells you that you shouldn't, shouldn't, period. It's not even that you shouldn't, you shouldn't be or you shouldn't succeed or you shouldn't laugh or you shouldn't love, just shouldn't, period. But how do you find confidence and move? It is so terrible. You know, what a burden it is. But the real joy and the real accomplishment that I, I feel in my life, you know, that gives me confidence to keep moving forward. And, you know, we've been talking about it around sisterhood and about allyship is actually just that, you know, because sometimes, and this is not a fault, this is okay. You know, sometimes it's, it, it can't just come from within, you know, that like you're trying, you're trying, you look at yourself in the mirror, you tell yourself you're amazing, you tell yourself you can do it, and then you go out the first step into the world and then boom, you know, you're hit with something that tells you that you shouldn't. You know, it's a very difficult thing. And so even for me, I have to utilize my sisters, you know, those who I trust most to help me understand and to help remind me about my strength, to remind me even of my wins. Cause like I said, I have, I have receipts. Okay. I have receipts <laughs> but that was built over time. And for you, maybe you're just beginning. Right. And there are so many things that you are trying to achieve, trying to make your voice heard, trying to create projects that will make impact or maybe just, just trying to live, right. you know, but there has to be a community of people around you who will remind you, you know, I, I, for me, it's like, you know, I have a, a group chat that helps me do that. You know, all yeah. I have to do is go up in there and be like, yeah. girls, listen, 
I said, I did it yesterday. I was like, I need some prayer, y'all, because I'm yeah. about to have this conversation. I don't know where it's going to go. Man, listen, the way they just kept throwing things at me, reminding me of my amazingness and my protection and my grace and my wins, you know? And the thing is, this is, this is, but on the flip side of that, I, I also have to give you a warning, right? That you have to also be careful about the inputs that are actually not helpful to you. You know, yes. the ones who are sort of double-handed in their compliment or in their encouragement. And this is the most difficult thing, is that sometimes those people are the closest ones to us. You know, and it's, it's not necessarily that you need to cut them out of your life completely, but it's recognizing who they are and then deciding that you're going to put them to the side. Right? That, that's not where you're going to go when you need encouragement. That's not where you're going to go when you need confidence. Because right. there are so many things that you have to face that it's like trying to take their input in and then blocking them out. That's just too much effort, you know? Right. So figuring out who is actually on your side, creating your council of sisters, and then cutting out some of the people or cutting out the noise of some of the people who won't make you feel your absolute best. Yeah. And that's also, I think, having that, I also have like a group of friends who just tell me I'm not crazy. Like, because it's right. There's half yeah. of the world is about like, you can do this. And the other half is like, I'm not crazy for feeling this way that the person did that. Or I'm like getting this amount of energy. And it's like, I'm not, ha this isn't happening because of my skin color, who I am or my name, whatever it is. And, and that's been really helpful too. But I think it is this like affirmation of like, I see it with so many of my, our, you know, of my friends who are women of color and my students. It's like, you are better than everybody. You are smarter right? And they've been like faking it till they make it. And it is, it is. And so, and I'm very thoughtful of the way I'm raising my kids. And I think you may be too with your daughter and like mm -hmm. teaching them to not shrink and not to make themselves small and to take up space and to dream. And there's nothing that they can't do. Right. No, really. I mean, sometimes it's like even the superficial stuff, right? Where it's yeah. like, shoot, even right before this, I took a little selfie. I sent it to my group chat man, should I read you their responses? Man, listen, nobody can't tell me I'm not cute today. Okay. <laughs> okay. Question from Liberty in Kansas. What encourages you to persist? Mm, gosh, these are great questions. I'm going to say mine. Mine is God. Yeah. I have a deep amount of spirituality. I call to him. Like it is, it is enormously been helpful for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Whew. So yes, I'm, I'm a woman of faith as well. Um, but these days I have to tell you that, um, like I've been saying, you know, I haven't, it, it's not, it's not easy, right. To continue being motivated, inspired, even in light of, you know, the, the encouragement from my sisters that, um, it can be very, it can feel very heavy. Um, and one of the motivations actually was a turnaround for me, I would say at the start of like our shelter at home um, orders was that uh, I've, I've always looked for like the positive things to inspire me, right? Because I feel like the dark things or the dark thoughts put me in such a mood that I can't then do anything. But I started to try to figure out how I can use my anger and my sadness and my frustration and like all of those things, how like I can use them to make me move. You know, it's like, man, they're like, when I read about Breonna Taylor's murder in her home, oh man, I, I, I was not just like sad. I was angry. Like, I, like, I'm angry. Like, I just wanted to find 
I, I, don't, I just was angry. And so for me, it's now I'm, I'm using also that kind of feeling to move, you know, because I'm not going to sit by. Like, right. it's not possible, not in this time, no, you know? And so, like, I'm using those triggers. And like I said, I've, you know, I've dealt with some grief in my life. And it, it is um, a really, it's a really terrible thing because you start to get triggered, right? You get triggered by anything that happens that reminds you of the grief. And right. so I've not been shying away from it, you know? I haven't been, like, trying to keep it at bay. I'm using it. You know, so it's not just the good things. It's not just the song that makes me happy. It's not just my runs in the morning that make me feel invigorated. It's not just my daughter's, you know, hopeful look at the world that makes me feel happy. I'm using some of the darkness to also inspire me to action, you know, yeah. because there's nothing wrong with being mad and then moving and doing something, you know, you don't always have to calm down. Why do we have to calm down? It's like, you know, they tell you that all the time, right? They're like, calm down, calm down, take a minute and then think about it and then go do something. Why? I can do it while I'm angry. Like, maybe that's going to give me some more heat. And I've been calm my whole life, right? It's like, I think women, women of color, black and brown women have been suppressing their anger and have just been putting it, you know what I mean? And moving forward for so long. Enough is enough. Yes. 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 I said it the other day. I was like, you know what? I've been battling this stereotype of the angry black woman for like 20 years. Okay. (sighs) No more. It's like, you, you want to see an angry black woman? She's right here. Okay. (laughs) Look her up in the dictionary. That's me. You know what I mean? And I'm going to use that. So I'm not going to calm down. You know, it's like this, this, this word and these phrases that have been told to us, especially as women, restaurant, you're just saying it. You know, yeah. which is just like, we've been suppressing our anger for so long. It's like, why should we do that? No, I'm not going to calm down. And I'm not hysterical. I'm just yeah. mad. Well, and so it's also exactly. like, why is authenticity a privilege for some, right? Some people could just be, live their whole full self and be you. But, but for, for women yeah. of color, not all of you, just, just half of you, please. Yes, only the happy side. Only right. the side that right. is like inspirational, you know, and has a smile on her face. Not the mad part. But you know what? They're going to get this whole full self right here. And that's how things are going to change. You know, that's why we're having conversations across the country right now. We have not had, and we're going to continue because we're in this fight for a long time. Um, They're telling me that I have to say goodbye. Oh, well, it's all right. Just for now. Just for now. But I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Last week, I was like, I know her. She's my boy. You are so cute. I love you. Thank you so much, Rashma. And I am so, so proud of you again. I think this platform is wonderful. I'm proud of the girls who are on here, you know, trying to get a little bit more inspiration, some education, some encouragement, some tips. It's fantastic. I'm so, so proud that you're joining. The conversation you just heard is from the Girls Who Code Summer Speaker Series. Thank you so much to all our students who tuned in and for your thoughtful questions. Hey, I'm the executive producer, Ashley Dejan. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Brave Not Perfect comes out every other Tuesday. Today's episode was also made possible by my co-producers, Tanya Zaparonik and Charlotte Stone. And of course, our fearless team leader, Deborah Singer. Andrea Jordan, Rashma Sajani, Olivia Quintana, Ashley Gramby, Gloria Noel, Aaron Page, Zenzale Skylark, Elisa Dwyer, and Raven Abreu also contributed to the making of this episode. See you in two weeks.